Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 306 of our Tick Bootcamp podcast. The title of today's interview is Furry Friends with Karen Weidman. My name is Tiara Smith. And I'm Richard Johannesson. Our episode today is named Furry Friends because it walks in the life of Karen Weidman, a dog trainer who frequently is around many different types of dogs. Today, we dive into some of the risks when working with dogs, as well as some ways that we can prevent possible infection from ticks that may have come off of dogs. Without further ado, it is my pleasure to announce to you our good friend, Karen Weideman. Hey, Karen Weideman, and welcome to the Tick Bootcamp Podcast. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. And Karen, for you and the folks uh, in the podcast community, I have a really exciting announcement today. My special guest co-host, Tiara Smith, one of my favorite people in the world, has agreed to take time out of a really busy schedule to help me and interview you. So Tiara, please say hi to the folks. Hi, everybody. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. And thank you for taking the time out. Uh, so Karen, talk to us a little bit about where you're from. I, I understand you're from the West Coast. I'm from Southern California, a town called Glendora. Um, currently, we're having a drought, so it's very hot and dry. Um, it's a little town, quiet town, which I like. It's just about um, 30 minutes um, east of Los Angeles. And Karen, what do you do there in uh, Southern California? I, I'm currently, a, I own a, a dog training company and um, train pet dogs and do some behavior modification with aggression and fear. That's a cool job. Uh, as, a, as a dog lover myself, that would be something I would love to do. But that's uh, something we can talk a little bit more about. So Karen... Um, talk to us about your background. Where'd you grow up and, and what was your experience like during your childhood? I grew up in Monrovia, California, which is um, very close to Glendora. Um, had a happy childhood. I, I don't know if you call it normal or not, but I would call it normal. Just going to school, being out with my friends, going hiking and, you know, walking the dog, swimming, all that kind of fun stuff. I liked school too. You went to school. Um, and I, uh, I was very social with friends and loved exercise. I taught aerobics, um, for about 10 years, did high impact aerobics and loved bike riding, you know, stuff like that. So when did you develop your passion for animal and uh, animal behavior training? I think I liked animals since I was born for some reason. Um, when I was eight years old, um, I had a path on the way to school that I would walk and there was this ferocious dog that would greet us at the fence. And I thought, boy, that dog must be sad. So I tried my hardest to make friends with it. And I did make friends with it. And it now became a friendly dog and was friendly with everyone who walked by. And then one day the owner came up to me and said, are you the one that made friends with my dog? And I said, yes. Um, and I thought that was a good thing. And he said, well, now my dog doesn't have a job. He was our protector. Now I have to get a new protector and he's going to be our pet dog. Please don't make friends with our new dog. So I said, oh, oh okay. From that, from that minute, I knew I wanted to work with animals. So talk to us about um, what your experiences were like with animals and in particular, uh, what did you learn about 
properly caring for animals so that they would have a healthy relationship with their human companions? Um, well, let's see. Um, well, I, um, I went to, well, I went to school to learn how to properly care for animals, how to keep them healthy. And I went to school learning about behavior. Um, I'm a positive reinforcement based trainer. So I teach with kindness. Um, I teach people about relationships. You have first re good relationships with your animals. Instead of teaching them out, out of fear, you'll have a better outcome and safer outcome. So now as part of the educational experience you had with learning how to keep dogs healthy and to um, teach humans how to be good companions with their companion animals, uh, did you ever learn anything about ticks and tick diseases? Wow, you know, um, living in Southern California, this is what you learn. You learn ticks don't, ticks aren't out here very, very often. And if they are, they're of no danger. So you have nothing to worry about. Your dogs do not need to be vaccinated. You don't have to worry about it. So I did not give it one second thought. So was, was a part of the education first that you were receiving, I'm gonna to talk to you a minute about the education you are providing to others, but did the education that you received at any time teach you how to remove ticks from dogs or how to check uh, your dogs for ticks and, and why that might be important for keeping the human companions healthy and not sick from tick diseases? Yeah, I, I learned about getting ticks off dogs um, from groomers that I work with. Um, they'd find ticks on dogs. And, and I knew that there was Lyme disease out there, but I was always told that it wasn't in California. So we're not causing, you know, the dogs aren't in much danger. However, you know, it's, you want to make sure to get the, the head out and all that. So they properly told taught us how to remove the tick safely with a, with a, you know, flat tweezer and, you know, you want to make sure to remove the head and all that. And, and that was basically it. Um, I always used flea and tick preventative basically because I didn't want fleas in my house. It had nothing to do with the danger to me. And that's just because of what I always was taught. So Karen, you, you shared with us a little bit uh, ago that you were you went through an educational process in order to be able to become the dog trainer and the teacher that you are. Um, you shared with us that you did receive some information about ticks from people in companion um, professions, the dog uh, groomers. But what about your educational experience? When you were going through your educational experience, were you taught anything about ticks and tick diseases and how to protect dogs and their human companions from these diseases? Um, yeah, well, I was, I was taught that ticks, you know, carry tick-borne diseases and, um, and they can transmit to humans. And you wanna make sure to medicate your dogs with, you know, the proper uh, tick repellents. Um, make sure to check your dogs 
um, for ticks and they, you know, we, we have the, uh, the little blower, the blow dryer. So you blow dry, you look for the ticks and stuff like that. And, um, so I, you know, I was taught oh, always check your dogs when, when you go camping or, or hiking, that type of thing, because you don't want to, you know, have that spread to your, to your family. Okay. So you, you, you've been in the dog training uh, and animal companion training community for a long time. Um, are you teaching the people who are hiring you to assist them with their, uh, with their um, training, how to check for and remove ticks? Yes. Yes. Currently. Yes. In the, yeah. Um, past my past experience. I, I think I was talking about my past experience, but currently I am teaching people, um, educating people, the dangers of ticks um, for dogs, as well as humans um, and other um, uh, insects such as fleas and mosquitoes. And so I educate them on proper diet. I educate them on proper flea and tick control. I educate them on checking and um, how to remove a tick, um, wives' tales on how to not remove a tick, that type of thing. Um, I. So, Karen, did you did you start to do this after you received your Lyme disease diagnosis, or was this something that you were already developing prior to getting sick yourself? I must say, I started um, heavily doing this after I got my diagnosis. So let's now talk about your journey with Lyme disease. Uh, when did you first start to feel the symptoms that you now know to be uh, the symptoms of Lyme disease? Um, in 2000, um, maybe 14, 2014, I started to develop mild stomach pain. And I thought it was that I was getting a flu. And then I started to also develop little tingly, mild tingly feelings in one of my heels. And I, you know, I thought I'm on my feet all day. Um, you know, I, um, I'm probably trying to get a flu. I'm into essential oil. So I used to just pop an essential oil tablet if I had these pains in my stomach and it would, it would kind of alleviate it. So this this, this went on for, you know, a little bit about a year. So I get this on and off maybe every few months and I just brush it off, just brushed it off as whatever. So at this time in your life, how long have you been in the dog training arena professionally? Not your, not your childhood passion, but how long have you been a professional dog trainer um, at this stage in your career? Um, since 2006. Seven. So, um, so eight years when I when I was starting to get sick. And about how many different dogs did you come in contact with professionally between the time that you first started in the dog training uh, profession and the time when you first started showing the symptoms of what you now know to be your Lyme disease? Thousands, thousands of dogs. Now, during that time, do you ever recall finding a tick on one of your dogs? And or do you recall ever finding a tick on yourself after interacting with your thousands of dogs? 
never. No, I fleas. Yes. Never saw one tick. Now, were you doing anything to regularly check yourself for ticks after you came home from work each day after coming in contact with thousands of dogs over the course of that seven year window? I, I'll just say truthfully, no, I wasn't. I did not check myself for ticks. Because you didn't know to, right? I mean, it was just something that yeah. wasn't in California, certainly in Southern California, and and it wasn't a part of your education or your or your training. It was just something you didn't know to do, right? Yeah, uh, yeah. It, I um, vets told uh, the veterinary people they said that you don't have to worry about ticks. So something not in my mind. I just said, well, there's no ticks here. Never had a client, not one time in the thousands of dogs that I've trained, say. My dog got a tick from where you are. Never. Okay. So now, now let's 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 move forward. So you start to have the symptoms that you described to us, which includes um, pain in the bottom of your foot. Do you begin to do you begin to um, see any doctors to uh, determine um, why you're feeling the pains that you're feeling? Um, around two thousand, the beginning of two thousand fifteen, I called my regular. A traditional doctor and I said I, that I was having intermittent stomach pain and it, you know I went in and he um I had a um um tests um he gave me some blood tests and he thought that I w- was just eating wrong and he just said just make sure to not have spicy food and um and drink you know, water, hold, hold off any kind of too much caffeine or anything like that. And they just pretty much dismissed it. Okay. So the first act you see is a primary care physician, you give, you give um, him, her, or, 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 or them the description of your symptoms and you're essentially dismissed and you're sent on your way. So how did, how did your symptoms develop and how were your developing symptoms interfering with your personal life? your professional life and your social life? Um, Latter part of 2015, um, I started to develop more of the tingling in my feet and a little bit more of the stomach stuff. Um, I remember clearly going to the store, getting my usual food, eating dinner. Um, Then I woke up and my pain in my gut was so severe that I, I couldn't eat anything. And at this point, it was mostly my gut. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I thought, well, do I have stomach cancer? Do I, what, you know, so I made appointments with my doctor again at that point. And uh, I could not go, I could not go into work at that at that day, you know, at that, at that, uh, so now you're getting so sick, it's interfering with your professional life. You go back to your doctor and you tell your doctor that the symptoms that I described to you before are getting worse. My stomach is getting worse. My foot pain is getting worse. Um, and, um, what was the doctor's response? Um, he just said, he just, my doctor said, well, we have to have, we have to have, we'll give you some tests. I had had a, um, hiatal hernia surgery um, in 1998, he thought perhaps that came undone. So he thought maybe that's what's making you, you know, hurt your stomach. 
So I had an endoscopist or one of those, um, I don't know how to pronounce it, um, endoscopy, where they look down in your, in your gut. I had a CT scan, a bunch of blood tests. Um, and what they came up with is my uh, surgery was perfectly intact. They said, you have mild, mild gastritis. But what they did find in my blood, they, they said, you have a condition called monoclonal gammopathy of undetermined significance. And they thought that that was the reason for my um, foot pain, my nerve beginnings of nerve pain. And they just they, they, they thought that the stomach thing was unrelated. It's a um, bone marrow uh, disorder. Okay. So did they provide you with any treatment for this diagnosis that relates only to, I guess, your foot pain at that time? Uh, and, and are they ignoring the stomach pain or what are, what are they doing for your stomach pain? Um, they said that the monoclonal gammopathy is untreatable. So that's just something they'll monitor. But they said, well, you have mild gastritis. So we're going to put you on proton pump inhibitors. I think it was Prilosec, which... I started taking, which later learned that was the worst thing that could possibly have they've given me. So I was taking that. Um, and that just made me worse. So wh what did you learn about Prilosec and why is that, uh, why was that such a bad thing um, for what ultimately became your Lyme disease diagnosis? Um, the Prilosec inhibits um, acid in your stomach, which inhibits vitamin B assimilation, which is necessary for your nerves to function in your body. Well, after I started taking the Prilosec, my nerve pain in my feet quadrupled. I was now no longer, I could not walk. I felt like I was walking on a sea of glass. And that's the way it was from then on for a long time. Okay. So um, talk about how your symptoms developed in addition to now this severe foot pain that you had, uh, what other symptoms were developing and what other doctors did you see? Um, I kept, well, I kept seeing my traditional doctors to try and unravel things. They, they did not unravel things. My nerve pain became worse. My stomach pain became so bad that I couldn't eat anything. And I lost, I think a total of 50 pounds in a very short period of time. And um, I started seeking other alternatives. Um, I found a natural doctor um, close to my house. Uh, never thought of doing that. And I went to see them and they suggested I take a blood test for Lyme disease. Okay, so let's talk about that. Um, so you're seeing a lot of different traditional doctors. You're not you're not having a good experience with um, with these um, with many of these traditional doctors. And I, I understand from from our uh, earlier um, information that you, you saw an internist, the GI specialist, a neurologist, an infectious disease specialist, and an oncologist, right? So you saw this, yes. you saw a whole range of, of specialists and no one can diagnose um, you. So now you go to see this uh, naturopathic doctor 
and that doctor recommends that you take a Lyme disease test, right? So what was your reaction when the doctor said, hey, let's test for Lyme? I said, well, I, I, I don't, I don't think I have Lyme disease because I don't go hiking and there's no Lyme disease in California. So I thought it was for not, but I said, okay, I'll take the test. And, and why did the doctor recommend to you that you take the Lyme disease test first? And second, did that doctor suggest to you that Lyme disease has a more broad definition than this one bacteria and that perhaps your foot pain could be connected to a different type of a tick disease. Yeah, she said that, um, well, she said, number one, my, my profession, I'm around dogs and dogs, you know, have ticks a lot of the time. So, you know, that, that sparked in her. And then she said, Lyme disease is the imitator of many diseases. So she said, you have multiple things going on for really no reason in a quick amount of time. So she felt it just made sense. And, and she thought it made sense because that was one way of tying together these diverse set of symptoms that so many of your specialists were either ignoring or isolating and focusing only on one rather than the whole large picture of symptoms that you were suffering. Yes, exactly, exactly. So what type of a blood test did you take and what were the results? I took a blood test from Igenix lab, and this was in 2016, and um, it came back positive. I was shocked and stunned and actually relieved because I thought, wow, now I can get better. I know what's wrong. I can get better. Okay. Um, Let's pause there for a second uh, because Tiara is going to take you to that portion of your journey. I just wanted to focus on one more thing. When you went to see a naturopathic doctor and the doctor told you that uh, she was going to offer you this blood test, did she tell you that there were different types of tests and that she recommend hygienics in particular? Or did she just say, this is the test that we use for um, testing for tick diseases? Um, at the time, 2016, there wasn't a lot of te uh, diverse testing around. Um, your typical and I, uh, your typical Western blot and ELISA test that the uh, traditional doctors do, um, she said, a lot of times come up with fa false uh, negatives. So she said, this is a very reputable lab. They look at things closer um, in the DNA, and I don't know all the scientificness of it, but she said that they're that if you have Lyme disease, they're most likely going to find it. Now, when you got your test back from hygienics, did you notice if you had more than one tick disease? And if you did, was that a surprise to you? This, this, uh, they didn't test for different species at that time. So they just would say either it's positive or negative and what bands you had them on. So, and I didn't know of different species and the doctor that I went wasn't um, a specialist specialist in Lyme disease so she just knew that you know I had Lyme that that Lyme disease was the reason for my symptoms. Now Karen did she do you know if you were tested for any co-infections in addition to 
well, you were not testing for different species of Lyme, but what about co-infections or any other tick diseases that you might have been suffering from at the time? Because what I'm specifically concerned about is whether or not you were tested for any tick diseases that might have been causing the foot pain. Mm. Um, well, I was, I was tested for co-infections, and at that time, I tested negative. That was a very rare and good thing I was told. Um, I, through um, a few years, you know, I had tested for different species and I had uh, five different species of Lyme disease. Um, tested for mold, I had mycotoxins, I had candida that I was dealing with. Um, so I did know that I was dealing with more in the pot than just Lyme disease. Okay. So you now have this um, diagnosis and you said that you were excited that you had a diagnosis. You finally have something that ties everything together. And now you're going to take a couple of pills and get better, right? Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> right. So now Tiara is going to talk with you about how that went. Uh, how did that experience go for you? Yeah, so um, I think the the relief that comes along with getting an answer about what's going on with you is nice, right? But like you said, I think probably your first thought or inclination was that um, you would get better from that point on. So I'm curious to know, um, what was the first course of treatment to combat Lyme and the other things that you were going through at that time? Um, the very, well, the very first thing I did was um, seek out a, you know, quote unquote, Lyme literate doctor. And um, my gut was so bad, they didn't want to do antibiotics. They were still doing that in those days. Um, so I took a bunch of supplements to increase my immune system to, you know, maybe have my immune system do, to do some of the work. Okay. And, um, and actually that um, that helped a little bit. It, it made me able to walk a little bit better. It, it helped a, a little bit. Um, but that was a lot of, a lot of supplements. So yeah. I, so no, go ahead. Sorry. No. So I, I did that, uh, supplement uh, taking and I did, um, nutritional IVs. I started doing, um, IV ozone, which helped greatly. It um, helped with my pain. And um, it, I started to, to feel a positive uh, difference. So uh, anything positive, I was just very thankful for. Okay. So, um, so now it sounds like your immune system was, um, strengthened. It was helping your body to combat, um, the pathogens that were in your system. Um, were there any issues you were seeing, or maybe perhaps, um, some portions of your symptoms that weren't necessarily, um, decreasing or dissipating at all? Yeah. Um, my nerve pain. Yeah. My nerve pain, slight brain stuff. I, I get what I called what I call um, loud, noisy brain, where um, intermittently I'll just have a, uh, I don't even know if it's tinnitus, it just sounds like just uh, whooshing in my brain. Um, so I would get that. Um, my gut 
was getting a tiny bit better because of the supplements that I was taking. Um, they were giving me gut building supplements so I could eat a little bit more. Um, and because my nerve pain was not getting any better, I was, I did seek out other treatments and, um, those were, um, stem cells. So I did seek out and do a couple of uh, sessions of those. Okay. Interesting. And with regard to the stem cells, so did, did you see any improvements after um, undergoing that process? Um, or did it leave more to be desired? Um, I, I did see a little bit of progress. Um, it was a, a, a program of intravenous um, supplementation and then stem cells that were derived from the fat from your own body and then reintroduced via IV. I um, had, I'm gonna say about a 40% reduction in pain, which mine was, I think a level over 10. So I still had pain, but I could now walk around the block, take my dogs for a walk. My brain was less noisy. I also had stem cells put into my gut, which actually, um, cured, um, SIBO that I had, I, it just went away. So I, I had a lot of good experiences from the stem cell, um, treatments, but it was not a cure and I wasn't finished with what I needed to do to get, to get better. Sure. Yeah. I mean, it's certainly a, a journey. Um, it's a marathon, not a sprint, right? So on the rest of your, your marathon, um, what else have you tried um, to, to remedy some of the remaining issues that you were experiencing or symptoms you were experiencing? Um, I, I um, tried peptides, which I still use um, on occasion, which, which helped me. Um, Low-dose naltrexone, um, which helps alleviate some of my uh, pain. I did come across um, a scientific sort of treatment in a social media uh, group that I had never heard of. It's uh, called SOT. Um, yeah. And, um, I learned that it's it's an mRNA sort of treatment, and it basically, in layman's terms, it it instructs the bacteria to live its normal life, not procreate and die. I resonated with that and thought that made complete sense. And so I sought out a doctor that um, did that and had my first SOT treatment in 2019. Okay. So, um, are there any other things that you've tried um, from the point that you are at now um, to when you were doing more of that SOT treatment um, that you feel like has helped um, and paid dividends in terms of um, increasing your health and quality of life? I say of all the things that I've done, um, the supplements, I, I, supplements, IV treatments, the ozone was one of the um, treatments I did um, one pass and up to 10 pass ozone that, and that um, 
increased my energy, made my overall wellness. I just felt overall well, a sense of wellness really helped with the pain in my, um, my lower leg and, and uh, feet. Um, I was able to wear sock. I couldn't wear socks or normal shoes. So I was able to wear shoes when I, when I'd have the ozone. Um, so I did that on a regular basis, um, as well as, um, certain types of IV Myers cocktail. That was one of my favorites that, that just made me feel a little bit better. Um, and, uh, I, did infrared sauna for detox. I have to be careful with detox um, and PEMF um, treatments. Um, I have a mat that's a PEMF mat that helps me with my pain. It's all about my pain for me. Um, and I did seek out um, a doctor to learn about my genetics because I was told that um, with things that you're doing to help yourself, it, where it would help others, it could hinder um, maybe me and make things worse because of my genetics. And it might be proactive and smart to find out about my genetics, which I did. And I was very happy that I did that because I learned a lot about myself and about things that um, normally may be good for one person, but it wasn't good for me. So that cut a lot of um, suffering, un undue suffering, I think, out of my journey. Sure, sure. And that's very interesting. And, and um, I think a lot of us can attest to the fact that everyone has a very unique individual. <laughs> Sorry. So yeah. with that, um, would you, you said that the genetics information was certainly helpful. How did that transform your, your treatment and the things that you chose over chose the things that you chose not to continue to pursue? Well, um, I learned, oh, sorry, Louie. Right, we all have dogs. <laughs> we do, we do. Um, I took a lot of glutathione and I think it, it just, I took a lot of IV glutathione and I learned through my genetics that I don't um, handle uh, glutathione that well. I don't um, process it well. There's different processes that goes through taking it and then it, whatever it does. Um, so I take supplements to make my own glutathione um, rather than take um, um, glutathione intravenously or by pill, um, that type of thing. So that works a lot better for me. Okay. Yeah. And I know a lot of people use glutathione for, um, to, to assist with um, detox and um, typically um, your body can produce it, right? But it's just a matter of the quantities in which are produced to be able to assist your body. So I know some people do things like coffee enemas, right? To increase glutathione production um, or supplement, but some people, you know, their, their gut health is such that they're not able to, to handle the glutathione. Um, so I'm really happy that you were able to figure that out about your, your journey because detox is just as important as uh, killing the pathogens that are creating the body, you know? Um, so, uh, so kind of looking now where you're at, um, 
what gains have you made um, in terms of your health? What are you able to do now um, that maybe you weren't necessarily able to do uh, then? Um, yeah. Well, um, with after my SOT treatments, um, after my first one, I was able to go on a vacation with my husband for the first time in, in I'm going to say, uh, five years, let's say I couldn't go anywhere. So I actually went on a vacation for a week and I just, it's just a miracle, I guess you'd say. So, um, I was able to participate more in my company. I have employees that, um, had to set it up to where I was taken back and I hired employees to do the job that I was doing. So I could, you know, have a little more um, of, you know, taking a part in the, in the training a little bit and um, actually um, being able to exercise, do a little more exercise, which I wasn't able to do. Um, uh, watch, I couldn't read very well. Um, I had sensitivities with my eyes. I can read now. I can, I was able for the first time, I think a year ago to go actually go to a um, Vegas show. It was the Michael Jackson show that was loud. And I would have never been able to do that. I, 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 I can't even tell you how happy that made me. I just, you know, normal things like that, that you take for granted. I'm able to do. Absolutely. Yeah. You never realize how many, how many things that you used to do and be able to, to handle stimuli wise until that changes. Um, so that I'm so happy that you were able to have that experience and that you're able to enjoy other portions of life again. Um, so I'm going to actually hand things uh, back off to Rich um, for the interview. Okay, great. All right, Karen. So let's, let's talk about uh, a little bit more about your, your healing journey. If, um, if you were to do it all over again, um, what would you do differently than you did do as you were going through the journey over the last several years? Um, well, I would have been more, I would have paid a little bit more attention to the tick importance, um, the knowledge of that, because it, it, it was like a little voice in the back of my head saying what they're saying doesn't make sense. Um, so I would have done tick checks when I came home, you know, from, you know, hiking with the training dogs and stuff, um, that type of thing. I would have done that differently. Um, and what about your treatment and the order of treatments that you did that you just shared with Tiara? Is there anything that you would have done that you didn't do? Or is there anything that you did do that you wouldn't do if you were to do it again? Well, um, one thing about Lyme disease, I think everyone can know, can feel is that it's very expensive. So when you're chasing it, you're such in such hor horrific state that you're chasing it. So I chased anything that came along instead of focusing. And so instead of spending this and that and this and that and this and that on anything, I would have maybe took a little more time to, to research a little more slowly 
to make a plan. So I would have, you know, maybe come up with um, maybe the stem cells later instead of first, you know, to, to clean things up rather than first. And then um, the SOTs were around. I would have done that first. Um, and then I would have found out about my genetics first too, because that had a, a big part. And then um, been, <laughs> sorry. Sorry, Louie. Louie, quiet. Louie's allowed to participate, it's okay. <laughs> and I know. Um, and then be, I, I would have been more um, careful about mold. Mold was, a, was an issue with me. And um, I didn't think that my 100-year-old house was important to look at, which I would have done. Okay. And how did you ultimately discover that the mold issue was a significant issue? And what did you do about that uh, on your healing journey? Um, I had a, um, what's called an organics acid test to, to test all my stuff. And they said, you have mycotoxins, you're getting exposed to mold. And, and I said, well, gee, I don't ever see mold anywhere. And they said, you don't have to see it. So I started testing um, my house and my office. And it came up that um, there were a little traces of, of mold that was mold spores that were consistent with the mycotoxins that are generated through those. So I started looking through the having professionals look through the house and um, have been slowly renovating the house. Mm -hmm. And um, it's made. Um, all the difference. It's made all the difference in in the success of treatments that I'm going through. So, if you had a game changer uh, in all of the things that you did, are you? Do you believe that the uh, the work that you're doing with uh, ridding your house of mold was was the game changer for you, or was there something else that was a game changer? Well, I think that um, the game changer with me was the SOT treatment. Okay, um, but also with with that being able to be a game changer getting rid of the mold so that my body can respond to the treatment was as well a game changer because my body wouldn't have been able to respond i believe so you're saying there really wasn't a game game a game changer there were two game changers and together yes. that put you in a position where you could go on your healing journey or make yes. great strides in your healing journey yes yes Yes. So if we were to, again, try to develop a model for someone else, right? Because one of the things you said is that if you had to do it again, you'd look for, you, you'd come up with a plan. And of course, one of the best ways of coming up with a plan is finding someone else who's already been on the journey, has had success on the journey, and then following their path, right? You could find Absolutely. somebody like, like Tiara, for example, who, who had a very, a very well thought out plan, right? So if you were to, if you were to recommend a plan, would your plan be, a, start with your genetic testing so that you have a genetic profile. B, then go to SOT and, um, and the mold remediation, and maybe I guess do the mold testing. And then, uh, and then uh, C, you would go forward with the stem cells. Would that be your plan to go forward? Yeah, yeah, that would be my, my pretty much my plan. Yeah, in, in that order. And, um, and then, and then the, you know, along with your other, 
eating healthy and um, uh, detoxing. You know, I have to watch my detoxing quiet, not to detox too, too, too heavy, too fast. That's really bad for me. So, so you, 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 so you, you want to make sure that you're engaging in um, immune supportive behaviors like moderate exercise and cleaning up your diet and being aware of, of, of how to properly detox. And of course, you would have learned that very early on from your genetic testing because the detoxing issues that were particular to your journey would have revealed themselves through your genetic testing. That's correct, yes. Yes, absolutely. So let's talk about the beauty of Lyme, right? Uh, because this is, uh, this is a challenging disease uh, for all of us, uh, but there, there are some beautiful elements of it. So talk to us about how this has been transformational for you. How did you learn about uh, yourself, your gifts and your purpose by going through this journey? Well, I was um, a workaholic focused on work. So I, that was my focus. <laughs> so Lyme disease made me step back and stop. Um, it enriched, made me, it just enriched the deepness of my faith, my Christian faith to um, trust in God. And it allowed me to, um, I guess, find out about me, who I am. It gave me empathy for others. And I found it, uh, found a passion for wanting to help others. Um, well, talk yeah. to us a little bit about how it changed your relationship with the people you were serving professionally, because you did share with us earlier in the podcast that teaching people how to remove ticks and teaching people how to keep their pets safe from ticks and, and the importance of doing that so they can keep themselves safe from coming in contact with ticks and tick diseases also became a part of your professional passion. Talk about how that transformation had occurred as well. Yeah, I, I get a lot of clients that, you know, are ignorant. And um, so I, I do, you know, a lot of education on Lyme disease in California that it is here and education on, you know, having your dogs properly groomed and um, prevent, you know, the prevention that, that is required, how to remove a tick if you do find you get one on you. Um, also, keeping yourself, the importance of keeping yourself healthy in case you do get sick. It's, it's easier for your body to ward off things if you're healthy rather than if you're not. So things, things like that. Um, you know, I've said to people, you, you don't want to have your, you know, your, your house infested with ticks. You don't want to have your dog bring in ticks to your life. And, and, and Karen, I'd argue that one of the greatest um, elements of being vulnerable to tick disease, uh, tick disease, especially for those of us who have companion animals are our companion animals, right? I, I didn't share with you offline, but I'll share with you now. Uh, the last three ticks that I found on me all this year all came in on my dog. I was sitting on my couch. Mm -hmm. She came inside. She sat on me. And as she got off, I found a tick, uh, I found a tick crawling on me. Now, 
I didn't get bit in any of those three cases. And I think there are a lot of different reasons for that. Uh, part of which is that I'm so tick aware um, that when a tick walks on me, my, my skin crawls, right? So um, uh, it, it is really important for those of you in the uh, community of people who are serving dogs and dog owners and dog trainers to let uh, you know, human companions know that they are more vulnerable to tick diseases when they have companion animals and they need to be aware of that. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I educate that day in and day out every day. Um, we, love our, we love our furry animals, but they get into trouble. <laughs> they get into, yeah. you know. Yeah, I, I mean, another thing of course that we have to be careful about is depending on what your relationship is with your pets. You know, my dog sleeps in bed with me every night, right? So, you know, and, and I'm not going to change that. I mean, there are people who have argued to me that I'm not responsible because I, because I, I sleep with my dog, but I've always slept with a dog my entire life and I'm not going to change that. So my solution is not to change my relationship with my dog. My solution to that is to constantly check myself and check my dog. So when my dog comes into bed, I'm checking them, right? When, you know, when I, when I get up in the morning before I shower, I disrobe and I check myself. Before I go to bed and before I put on my pajamas, I check myself, right? So rather than changing my relationship with my companion animal and my dog in particular, I'm just making sure that I'm sick aware and I'm checking myself so I can continue to have, you know, the relationship I've traditionally had with my dogs. What are your thoughts on that? No, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. Uh, um, having good hygiene with us is just as important as having good hygiene with your animals. If your animals are in your realm. They're bringing in the outside in. Um, also educate on, you know, we love to give the doggy kisses, but that can be dangerous. So I, I you know, maybe not everyone will agree, but I educate on that as well. Um, so um, making sure that your dog is healthy, your dog is clean, your dog is brushed, you know, you are just as aware of what's on your dog's skin as you are on your own skin is the same of the, of the same importance. So now let's talk a little bit more about, um, you know, what it is that um, you can do for folks in the community of professionals who are um, working in the dog grooming and the dog training community. Do you have any thoughts about how perhaps your experience could be passed on by way of either professional training or professional information so that more people can be um, uh, helping uh, people have a healthy relationship with their pets by being tick and uh, Lyme aware. Um, yeah. So, you know, always there's a, you know, like I said before, the tick and flea and tick prevention. Um, there's all different kinds of methods of that. Um, there's the traditional um, oral medication, the traditional um, uh, liquid on the back you've got clothing for your dogs that your dog can wear not not everyone's um some people are allergic to the ticket flea and tick preventatives that are for dogs so um there's there's clothing that you can have your dog have a bandana that has flea and tick um rep repellent essential oils can repel flea and ticks um the flea bath can repel flea and ticks. Um, there's different, different little mo modalities that can um, help proactively, you know, prevent all that. 
Karen, are you finding that there are some modalities that are better for different dogs based on their size? Uh, so for example, are there some tick collars that um, are fine for larger dogs, but may not be appropriate for smaller dogs? Um, I don't think that necessarily the size matters um, in this day and age of technology with the tick prevention. Um, the age and the health of the dog matters. Um, and, and maybe the um, furriness or the non-furriness of the dog. Um, some or uh, some topical uh, flea and tick preventatives for a dog that has no hair can burn the skin. So you might wanna take an oral thing for that type of dog. Um, if you've got aged dogs, sometimes the flea and tick prevention um, that you take from your vet is not appropriate for that for the health of the dog. So that's when you might want to um, go for a collar or even some of the dog clothings um, or a, an essential oil blend to repel the ticks. So, so Karen, I, I, I have an example in my family. So both of my dogs uh, are vaccinated for Lyme disease from our veterinarian, uh, but they're also, we, they also wear the Soresto collar. And I had made a recommendation to my sister who has smaller dogs um, to use Soresto collar and they were not able to use it. In fact, one of the dogs had gotten sick using the collar. Have you heard anything about Soresto and, 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 and maybe it not working with smaller dogs or, or certain types of dogs having, uh, having challenges with the Soresto well, collar? Um, I, I have heard of dogs um, that have been um, sensitive. As a matter of fact, my big 150 pound Rottweiler is sensitive to the Soresto collar. Okay. Um, he, is he older? Yeah, he, he gets a weird thing on his fur um, okay. when he wears it. Um, so he can't wear it. Um, he takes a topical. Um, and I also do um, educate about vaccines. I, I do believe in vaccination for your, for your dogs as well. Um, but yeah, the, the Soresto collar, you can get, it's very mild collar. I know Lots of my clients use the collar with no problem. But as we are individuals, so are our dogs. They're individuals too. So your recommendation is uh, that, of course, you just keep an eye on the dog and see how the dog is reacting. So yes. if you could just sort of tie this up before Tiara asks you the final question. If you were to outline the different options that, um, uh, that folks have for their companion animals, their dogs in particular, to keep them and their, you know, their human companions safe from uh, ticks. What would be the, what would be the outline of different options folks would consider? Um, I'd always um, have your dog healthy, you know, healthy food, you know, not a lot of, of junk food. Um, vaccination uh, would be important for the health of the, of the animal. Um, flea and tick prevention, whether it be oral, and that's taken orally. Um, there's many different ones. Um, the oral ones usually they're they're wide spectrum. They're mosquito, tick, and and fleas, that type of thing. There's topical where you can do topical. Um, it's a little liquid that goes on the the uh, sh between the shoulder blades. Um, you can do that. The clothing, it's um, uh, bandanas that um, 
you can you can buy from various different companies that are pre-soaked in a flea and tick preventative. Um, and they're pretty safe. They don't smell or I, I have not heard of a dog being sensitive to those. Um, so there's bandanas, there's, um, uh, I think um, they've got collars even for those types of things, the clothing's essential oil blends. Um, you can buy essential oil blends to spray on your dog as a flea and tick preventative. Um, you do have to be careful though of the essential oil blends for dogs that have the tendency for seizures. Um, you do have to be mindful of that. Um, and you can make your own essential oil blends for your, for your dog. That's and fantastic. Then, and, and, yeah. and that was just a, a great outline. And I thank you for that. And, and I know folks are going to be uh, really excited to have uh, that outline of options that you've just uh, you've given us for our, our companion animal. So now I'm going to I'm going to turn you back over to Tiara, who's going to ask you the final question of your interview with the Tick Boot Camp podcast. Yes, the mystery question, right? Uh, so <laughs> I think um, with how tumultuous you found the journey to be, um, you know, I think to my own and the fact that there's some things I really wish I would have been able to tell myself prior to the start of the journey to prepare myself. Is there anything in particular that you wish you would have been able to, if you had the ability to tell yourself, to prepare yourself for what would have lied ahead? To pre prepare myself. Um, well, <laughs> um, there's always, I, I, I hope I'm going to answer this right, but um, I, I believe that I got Lyme disease sitting on a stump in the middle of an area where there was deers and I didn't feel comfortable about it, but I did it. And I, I wouldn't have done that. And, and I feel that I wouldn't have gotten Lyme disease. Um, I guess that would made my whole journey different. Um, I don't know if that's what you mean, um, but if I had to get Lyme disease, um, it would be to be more careful about not to panic um, and, and to, I guess, be more calm. So don't panic and, and then see, and then seek out um, others sooner, which I didn't do seek out other people that had experiences so that I could learn and maybe make my journey a little bit smoother. Yeah. Really we, we can't thank you enough, Karen, for taking time out of your busy life to uh, share your journey with the community. And, and Tiara, we can't thank you for being kind enough to be uh, a great co-host. And we hope, uh, uh, Tiara, you'll, you'll accept an invitation to join me for a future co-hosting opportunity. Definitely. Thank you for the opportunity. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Tick Boot Camp interview with Karen Weideman. To our listeners, we have a call to action. First, if you would like to learn more about Karen Weideman, her Instagram page is It's a Dog's World, spelled like I T S A D O G W R O L D. Second, if you enjoyed this episode of the Tick Boot Camp podcast, please share it with your friends by using the social media buttons you see at the bottom of the post. Third, 
Tick Bootcamp has created a Tick Bite blueprint that is inspired by the information that has been given by past guests on this podcast. We urge you to visit our website at www.tickbootcamp.com to view the blueprint. Please note, we would appreciate any input or improvements you would like to offer. Fourth, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify to get an automatic episode updates for our Tick Bootcamp podcast. And finally, we thank our community for your comments on our past podcast episodes. Please take a minute to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts, on Instagram, or on our website. We make it a point to read every single one of the reviews we get. Thanks for listening.